Welcome to Shadows from the Tree, where we research through newspaper archives and ancestry records to uncover family stories. We're your hosts, Danielle and Michelle. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so for the docket today, we're going to talk about um, a yellow dog and a rabbit hole. Yeah, I, a deep rabbit hole. Deep rabbit hole. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to go first. Um, so my story was from the um, Baltimore American um, Morning Herald. Actually, it was from February 26, 1896, so quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit ago. <laughs> so so yes. picture a way different time okay. than we're in now. Um, so it takes place um, in farm area in, in Baltimore. Um, this, this two abutting farms where um, there was a farmer and his wife who went out to one of the remote fields and their, their land and they were working the field, but they left home their two young children Okay. okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> think this is a good idea. Yeah. But in the kitchen, they they left their three-year-old and six-year-old oh, wow. alone in the house. But they left the dog too. So I feel Supervising. like Supervising. Yeah, the nanny. <laughs> the dog <laughs> nanny. Like like in Peter Pan, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So they were gone, and they noticed um smoke, but they were pretty far away. So they. They were running back as fast as they could, oh, but can you imagine that? Oh my gosh, nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there was so this is the farm of the um, Fumfgeld family. Okay, so John Fumfgeld, the father, and then the six-year-old boy is okay. also John Fumfgeld. Okay, and that's you said uh, that sounds German. Yes, they're okay. they're from Germany. Yes, for sure. And his wife was also from Germany. Her name was Anna Lintz. Um, so they had two, two children, a son and a daughter. I found the daughter's name, um, in Ancestry. Her name was Mary. Okay. So they had those two children. Um, back to the story. So Henry Altvader was their neighbor. He was really, he was pretty young, actually. According to records, he was only like 19 years old oh, wow. when this was happening. Um, but the story goes, he heard scratching at his own kitchen door and he was just getting aggravated because he knew it was the neighbor's dog. <laughs> and the way to describe this dog, too, was that he was a lean mongrel, lank and scrawny, disagreeable with an uncanny bark. So oh, okay. maybe the neighbors complained about <laughs> his barking <laughs> before. But um, so he heard the dog barking and he opened the door and the dog started like nipping at its feet. And he was Ooh. like, what is going on? And then he looked up and he saw the house like smoke billowing wow. out of the windows. So he ran over, went in the kitchen and saw the two kids and rushed them out of the house. And once he got back to his own house, he saw the house starting to collapse oh my gosh. with the we fire. Just yeah, made just it. made it out with the kids from the fire and they couldn't believe like the parents are back they came back and they were screaming the mother was so oh upset gosh, she, she thought, thought yeah. she thought they were gone because wow. they were left inside and he's like no your kids are here so they were so overjoyed and wow. they couldn't believe that they um had rescued their yeah. their children it was unbelievable I mean, thank gosh that guy was home too i know right that dog was so smart yeah, so smart <laughs> like he knew to go over there and get the attention yep and his name was bismarck which oh, is a place in germany <laughs> right so, so they named him them. i wonder if they were actually from bismarck yeah. that would be That'd pretty be cool, cool right so brave little bismarck saved the day that's awesome so there were two fire engines that did end up showing up so they said baltimore fire company engine six and seven did arrive in time to save several of the other buildings on the property okay, good. and he had already started building like another house on the lot so they weren't too like 
okay. destitute after right, that right. happened. They were able to. But I did learn what a greenback was. So, back. A greenback. A greenback. So, they said that they had $300 lost in furniture, plus $150, which was in a chest in one of their rooms, in greenbacks. And I was like, what is that? Is that like yeah, a, like a monetary? Some, some yeah, monetary. it is a monetary thing. It's a currency from Civil War era. It was one of our first national currencies in the U.S. And it was because the back was printed all in green. Really? Yeah. So he had he had lost one hundred fifty dollars <laughs> in a in a trunk in his room. Wow. But I didn't know what a greenback was, so I thought yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, so I also did a little more digging um, on the family. So I found, like I said, I found Henry. He's also from Germany. Um, I found a little bit about his. He got married as well in his life. Um, I put it in this binder here. Um, and he had two children. And his son actually um, became a fire chief. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I thought that him. was like full well, circle. So that Henry is the one who saved them. Yeah. Saved them. So he yeah, must like have 19, told that that's story what to I'm his thinking. children. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, they must have all been talking about that forever. That and so cool. Maybe and like, that, like, yeah, inspired them to become. Yeah, that's that was so really cool. awesome. Really, really cool. And then the Flumpgelds, um, I, I looked through, like, the Baltimore Vital Records. Okay. They have, like, pretty good state record okay. keeping. Um, and I did find a death record for the father, um, John Flumpgeld, and he actually died in May of um what's in my book here 1900 so that was only four years after oh. after that happened and then i looked in the census records yeah and the mother and john the son lived with an aunt and uncle so they had like a ton of other kids so in like the 1910 census they were with an aunt and uncle and then the daughter was living next door with another relative <laughs> so you could see like the names were still yeah like there like when Jonathan or John was 16 he was living with an aunt and uncle and then his sister was living next door and that's a, I will say that is a tip for people doing genealogy is yeah even in my own family history if I've gone I've gone way back and I've literally been able to look at one census for a small town and see like my maternal and my paternal side as neighbors like yep. or just like aunts and uncles all live next to each other. Yeah, I always do that. I always just turn the page (laughs) and look. I was like, is there any name that I can't recognize? And I didn't recognize the uncles, but, you know, they were, and it said niece or or nephew there. So I knew that they were living. That's kind of sad, though, because, I mean, he would have been, if it was six and three, you know, so ten and, you know, didn't get to really grow up with his dad. No. And they didn't list, well, he died of pneumonia, it said, but it was like, it said children, too. So you knew that they were. Did Henry remain neighbors with them no nope okay um he ended up moving his family was from like the philly area okay so later in life like their family seemed to be more i found a a state like a will last will and testament of henry's father so it looks like when henry's father died they all relocated to philadelphia wow I thought it was pretty That's good. Pretty cool. Pretty I mean, good story. And when you're looking at that story, you're you're touching upon, like you said, the neighbor's family, their yeah. family, like the aunts and uncles, like everyone sort of just in that one article you pulled several different ancestors for yeah and the son lived to be eighty eight years old. In eighteen yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And he like he served in the military in World War One. He became an engineer, he owned a house, like he had his own two kids like 
you know, it's really... And I wonder for them, being six and three, obviously the three-year-old maybe not so much, but, like, if they remember that moment. Probably. I remember things from when I was yeah. five and six. Especially if it's that traumatic. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then how long did the dog live? Brave little you know? Bismarck. I hope he had a long, Poor happy Bismarck. life. <laughs> right? That's hope he great. stayed on the farm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> had his Absolutely. own nice dog house. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well. Good. Hey, yeah, well. Thanks. That kind of is a good entryway to my story a little bit because mine's, uh, my story is a little bit more, a tad bit more on the darker side, but also happy because it's the love for a dog. So, gotta love the dog. Uh, yes, the dogs are <laughs> awesome. And I decided just to quickly read mine because it's really short, mm-hmm. and then I want to show you how I went down a big rabbit hole and found several other. A lot of notes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of notes, yes. I, I got lost, and if you do genealogy, you know yeah. how easy it is to get lost and go down rabbit holes, and then you, you're like, what was I looking for? Or, you know. So, my story is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch um, in Missouri, December 16, 1906, and the title of the, like, the headline of the story is Flower-Lined Grave for Dog in a Cemetery. And then there's a few kind of smaller headlines. Missouri town indignant over secret arrangements for the burial. And then this other small headline is Hero, a woman's pet. And then animal saved life of cultured mistress mother provided for in will. Killed by affection. What? And sympathy (laughs) for owner condones feeling over attempted desecration. So I'll read this quickly here. So, there was a decided sensation in this city when city commissioner L.W. Remmel interrupted an effort to bury a dog in a family lot in the beautiful Rose Hill Cemetery. The matter had progressed to the extent that the grave was being dug by the old sexton, Adam Kettering, who had been Brookfield's public grave digger for the past 30 years. The dead dog was to have been taken out to the cemetery in a closed carriage in the afternoon. The grave was to have had all its walls covered with cut flowers. The owner of the dog is Miss Hattie Ware, between 35 and 40 years of age. She is a woman of learning, belonging to the literary circles of the city. For several years, she was a teacher in the public school of Brookfield and a good one. At present, she conducts an art studio. Then it headlines, saves its owner's life. The dog was a large mastiff and had been a member of the Ware household for years, since puppy days. He was brought home on a cold day by Miss Ware's aged mother, who had died two years ago. The pup grew to a large and handsome dog. Whenever and wherever Miss Ware or the daughter went, the dog was sure to go. He was a companion by day and a guardian by night. One winter day, Miss Ware accompanied the dog, accompanied by the dog, fell upon the icy pavement several blocks from home. Mm-hmm. The dog named Hero raised the alarm by barking and brought a man to the aid of his mistress. Miss Ware had taken, been taken home to friends. Her leg was broken at the hip and she died several weeks after the accident. But before her death, she made a, a will and all her property to her, leaving her only property to her child, the daughter, Miss Hattie. Just say that she left it to the dog. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where's the star going? <laughs> and then, um, 
And then it says, hero provided for in the will. Yeah. Miss Ware had written in the effects of, quote, if my daughter Hattie should die before our dog Hero, I will that the executors see that Hero is buried in our family lot in Rose Hill Cemetery, that he is given respectable, a respectable burial. Thus it was that Miss Hare this week endeavored to carry out the wishes of her mother. She did not, however, see the cemetery commissioner and get a burial permit, as is the custom in the um, instrument of humanity. But in lieu of the custom, simply saw the sexton directly, merely by accident. Mr. Remmel learned of the intent to bury the dog in the cemetery, which sleeps between 4,000 and 5,000 of the hollowed dead. Pleads ignorance of the law and the ordinance. He said he did not realize there was an ordinance against the burial of a dog in a family lot. The dog was hardly buried in the front lawn of the Ware residence in a fashionable position of the city. Miss Ware grieves over her lost dog as much as the average woman would over the death of a child or some dear relative. She declares she will at once break up her home. Hero was her companion and her protector, even to the extent of sleeping on her bed at night. That's right. And that's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I knew you would um, appreciate the story because you love yes. dogs. Love and I know movies. many people who care for their dogs. I can't believe it. Back then, they were mad about people. I, I know. I wonder now if people do bury their pets with them. I'm sure, I, like, celebrities. I mean, they must be able yeah. to. So, I have a few notes on this. All right. So, first of all, I found a second article when I was digging around. Mm-hmm. And there was um, a note that she had even had her picture taken with her doll and she always insisted on hero having just as good as food as, as her to eat so you know this dog ate well was well taken care Healthy, of slept in the yeah. bay, bed you know um and then <laughs> some of her friends because she was very popular in, in the town mm-hmm. some of her friends said that they think she was going to recover well from her grief um but hope that in the future she can set herself upon a poor off, uh, orphan child instead of another dog. <laughs> so to maybe put her love of the dog towards a child. I don't know. Um, and then there was a note that had a man attempted to violate the city, ordin- uh, the city ordinance that um, they would have been arrested for, for the law, for going against the law. But because she was a well-known woman, you know, they were going to let it slide. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was such a big deal. Pretty good. You know? I feel like that kind of ties into our our story for the family. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because somehow she got she got know. yeah she got away. <laughs> yeah. So I did look up um, kind of the closest census I could find, which was 1900, because mm-hmm. this happened in 1906. And in that census, um, Hattie was single. She was 29, listed as being a teacher, and her mom Rachel was listed as being widowed and a landlady. And they supposedly lived on East Ave in Brookfield. So if you're listening and live on that street, take care of your own. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so then I also took it a step further and I called the cemetery because I've done this before for looking up specific information on my, in my family tree Mm -hmm. and actually got some good information. And what I found was that, or what the lady told me, was that Harry, um, Hattie was the person who paid for the lot. Yeah. And it cost $20 to 
And so currently in this family law, it's um, Hattie, her husband Hayes, which I'll talk about, and Rachel, the mom. Then I was just kind of curious, like if she had this whole will for her dog laid out, did people like prepay for their lots back then? Like They do now. They do now. So I'm yeah. just wondering if she wanted a specific spot, why did the daughter set it up and pay for it? I, I don't know. Hmm. I was curious. So that was a, a little interesting um, little story that I found, but I started going a little bit deeper as you do into the into the yeah. stories and I was interested in how Hattie made out in life she seemed well yeah you know being a teacher had the art studio I found um first a random first rabbit hole was an article about a Lynn um country girl missing and it said the disappearance of a woman who had gone for two weeks was like an unsolved mystery basically yeah um, and her name was um, Edith Humphreys. She had a husband, she had a, uh, a child, and a dad. And in all the articles I could find, they were searching for her. And I couldn't find if she ever was found. Supposedly she went on an excursion, and who knows what happened there. But the way it ties back to Hattie was that she was a well-known teacher in the town at no. the time. The father of this missing girl Edith got a telegram that came from Miss Ware saying Miss Humphreys has been drowned at Kansas City and they're signed Miss Ware and in the article it's very much this Miss Ware that my story is about because it what? said she was a, she went right down to the studio and you know all these specific things that yeah so someone in the town if they thought it was a prank, but they went to the police station or however they did back then, and they confirmed that the person who sent it was the description of this missing person. I don't know. It seemed to be a whole confusing story. So I was quite so, interested. So in wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big story. So Edith pretended to be... I don't know, but then she can't where? find her. So... So potentially sent a fake telegram yeah. from Miss Ware. Did she know Miss Ware? I mean, it's a small town from when I yeah, gathered. Yeah, I guess. She Maybe she was her popular. teacher. Maybe yeah. she was her teacher at one point. Yeah, so I don't really know. I, I wanted to look more into the story, but it, it was just very interesting that that led me to like a missing person case that I don't know. And I tried looking for like census records we'll of to, them. We'll have to be continued. Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> I'm going to look up that too. Yeah, she's Edith, really, yeah, what Humphrey. is Humphrey? Humphrey. All right. And um, like the dad and the husband had gone looking for her and then... Supposedly she went on this, like, boat excursion, and uh, it's all seemed odd. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to keep digging into that one. So that was rabbit hole number one that I didn't get to fully go there's into. More? There's more? There's <laughs> more. So then there's Hattie's husband. Okay. And this is kind of, I think, a cool story of perseverance, I guess, um, but also kind of sad. So the husband, his name is Hayes, Um. He, as a child, got injured while his eyes um, got injured while playing as a child. Yeah. It wasn't very descriptive in the article that I found about, like, exactly how. But he became blind in both eyes, like Mm. fully blind. And, but he did really well for himself. He kept a job. And in, and actually in, um, let me find what year it was, 19, what did I write down? 1912. Um, 
Patty and Hayes both graduated from law school. And he was very, yeah. like, a lot of the articles were, like, all about, like, blind lawyer, like, all these things that he, like, pursued. And so Hattie was basically his almost, like, helper in, in, in yeah. the school. Um, they took all the classes together. That, did they meet there? Um, no, because they met. I didn't say exactly how they met, but they had met prior to that, and then they did the schooling together. That's um, really cool. But I actually found this article about how cool it was. It, it was called Blind Man Wins Diploma in Law, and it's a picture of both of them. So it's Hattie Whoa. on the left and Hayes on the right. I love when you find pictures. Yeah, so I will post that um, to the social media. But, I don't know, it was so cool just like a see a picture of them. So they got married. They never had kids. Somehow they got like 600 acres of land and they moved to like Colorado, I believe it was. Um, so they did pretty well. They never had children. So if you're listening and you have, um, his last name was Brooks, so she became um, Hattie Brooks. So if you have a Brooks in your family tree or so where, cool. you might have like an aunt or a cousin, you know, since they didn't have kids. But yeah, very, very interesting. So he... He, um, he did well for himself. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, thinking about back in 1916, he really overcame a lot of, a lot of things. And even in his like World War One draft card, it said like blind in both eyes and, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So yeah. So I thought that was kind of another little weird thing that I kind of was chasing. Um, and then the last thing I was sort of looking into was, um, Adam Kittering. So the grave digger, because I'm thinking this guy's been a grave digger in that article for 30 years. Like, what kind of things has he seen? Like, yeah, a lot. And he lived on the property. He actually, let me find my notes here. He lived. So he was born in 1843. He died in 1926. So he was 82. He came from Germany, which is funny because your yep. story is about Germany. So he came from Germany to Brookfield, Missouri. And um, he unfortunately died of pneumonia, but, you know, for that age, that was what was listed on his death certificate. And um, he was a, pretty much the sexton or the grave digger in the cemetery for 50 years. So everybody knew him. Yeah. And he was quite, it sounds like quite an interesting character. Um, there's an article I found where he had the, a record for... Um, 14 years of drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> so when the, Olymp- when the Olympia confectionery um, was open up Did in that. Did not expect that. <laughs> I know. Like, where is this going? Coca-Cola. Okay. Coca-Cola, yes. Every morning he would go for 14 years and drink wow. this Coca-Cola. So it approximated that he's had 5,000 glasses of Coca-Cola. Wow. And then... Every day, Coca-Cola back then had I know. real Coke in it too, so yeah. it was probably like <laughs> addicting too. Probably. <laughs> then he had in 1916 there was an article about every day at lunchtime at 11 a.m. he would go to this Lapierre hotel and have food, and it was quoted, "He looks well fed," <laughs> a walking recommendation for this popular eating place. <laughs> so, so I'm just picturing this guy. Who, Quirky, drinks yeah. night, quirky, <laughs> drinks Coca-Cola, has lunch at the counter every day, the same spot. <laughs> so I just, it was, it was quite interesting. And 
I'll have to show you the picture, but on it, um, when he died, he, I don't know if he didn't have a lot of family or whatever, but the town pitched in and gave oh. him like a, um, his own plot in the cemetery. And they actually put a picture of him. So there's a picture oh, on wow. his, on his um, gravestone. Did you look out and find a grave? It is. It is in there. I tried zooming in. You could see a little bit, but it's, I wish I had a little bit more detail. So I will call the cemetery that. again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared to send you a new picture. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was really cool. So I'm looking into this Adam and I'm thinking, okay, what has this guy seen? I, I saw some some funny story about a drunk guy walking through the cemetery, got spooked, and it was this whole story about yeah. how this, you know, that guy gets spooked. Then I find this story where it's, it's actually quite interesting because he had done this for so long. He really knew the science of what he was doing, like yeah. down to the point where this article was talking about what depth of being buried was better for preserving the body, which type of like um, caskets were better, which ones made it better over time. And it had said that um, in his time there, he had had to move over 260 bodies for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And at one point, there was, like, someone who had been buried for 18 years, and he said it was, like, preserved, pristine condition. Um, but then, uh, it got a little creepy. Oh, no. <laughs> and there was um, two specific stories in this article that he talked about, um, or was mentioned, but he, he was very respectful. He never gave, like, the names, you yeah. know. But one of the bodies when he had to move it was completely turned over in the casket. Oh. Yeah, it got it got there. And then the second one not only had it like changed position, but it had um in the hand had a tuff of hair. Like almost so though like they were they're like buried alive? Yeah, that's what the article was what? hinting at. Yeah. What? I know. <laughs> It got, it got a little, oh, got a little um, creepy there. Yeah. So this is just two stories of what this guy, Adam, came across in his line of work. I guess they need but a better he got paid well. stethoscope yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know. I don't know what they were doing over there in the cemetery. But, yeah. um, but he got paid well. Like, I found several articles that where he got, like, paying increases. Oh, and, um, So, you know, I think he... Like a quirky mayor or something. Yeah, I mean, he enjoyed, seems like he enjoyed what he was, not enjoyed what he was doing, but like he really took a lot of. Found um, his place. Yeah, yeah, he really took it on that this was his place to, you know, let everyone lay to rest and, you know, so. Anyway, so that was my rabbit hole. So what was a buried dog went to be buried alive? (laughs) So that's what I got. Very good. Yes. Well, that's for us for today. We'll um, look on the social media. We'll, I'll post some photos, and we'll be working on our, our own family story that we have. That's what sparked this podcast. And if you have any stories of your own family or want us to dig into something, let us know. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.